Well, good, need, good evening, everybody. Head to head to Pray that the Lord would loosen my tongue. It's good to be here with you. I love, as the song says, the old song that you guys might not remember, I love to be in his presence with his people singing praises. No, we're not going to sing that one tonight. But that's kind of a theme for me. Standing in his presence with his people. So why don't we stand now and um, give praise to God in song. We're going to speak of his unfailing love. Our theme is trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will make your path straight. And one of the reasons why we do that is because he's never failed us before. We trust in him, not because we're told to, but because he's shown us his faithfulness. And uh, yesterday, today, and forever, we've heard that phrase many times. And it really is true. He's with us always, and always ready to help in time of trouble. And always with us in time of joy, which will be tonight, because we're going to praise him in song. Amen? privilege to have Pastor Keith Morgan tonight as our speaker. He is the pastor of True Life Community Church of the Nazarene here in Colorado Springs. And we are privileged to have him share God's word with us tonight. Would you welcome Pastor Morgan? Thank you. It's uh, good to be with you tonight. And I was thinking on the drive over here, that uh, it was, it'll be 20 years ago, uh, this June, that I made my way to Colorado Springs to attend Nazarene Bible College. I sold everything I had to get here, and that came to about $800. I didn't have much. <laughs> and uh, made my way here, and I remember how God provided so wonderfully, uh, how he uh, quickly helped me to find a little fourplex that became uh, my home, and and helped me to connect with a crazy person from Tennessee who was also an NBC student, Mike Howard. We had a lot of fun together. And uh, I had no furniture, not, I didn't have anything like that. And I remember after having secured this little fourplex, and I think that was like $320, so you can do the math, I was getting low on funds, and uh, I decided to, to just kind of see if there were any yard sales. I didn't have a vehicle. And uh, came here, and I just walked across the street. I had seen a sign the day before that there was going to be a block yard sale. And by the time I had walked around the block, I had furnished my whole apartment for 85 bucks. <laughs> so uh, God provides, and he has been so very, very good to me. Uh, my wife, Mona, is with me tonight as well. We've been married for 18 years, almost 19 years. And, um, yeah, we have uh, four wonderful children and uh, we are very, very blessed uh, to be here with you tonight. I, I'm not really here tonight to preach to you, but to share uh, some things that God has been doing in my life. And uh, hopefully as I share, uh, you will find that these are things that he maybe is speaking to some of you as well. Uh, there's a phrase that I have kind of coined uh, over the last month or so as, the, as God has been challenging me with some things. And the phrase is duification. And hopefully as we go through this time tonight, when you'll kind of understand where I'm going with this term of duification. Uh, maybe it'll become a new phrase and I'll become famous for it, I don't know. But uh, 
it's something that God has been working with me on uh, as I have been thinking about ways in which I can draw closer to Him because I really sense that God is calling me to a deeper level of intimacy than I have ever experienced with Him before. I, I believe that He is calling me to a deeper place, to know Him in greater measure than I've ever known Him before. But this issue of duification sometimes gets in the way, and I'll talk about that more as we uh, go through this night. You know, sanctification is a very, very important doctrine of the Church of the Nazarene. It's not just our doctrine, but it's something that highlights uh, our beliefs, and it's a, it's a work that God does by the Holy Spirit in which He leads us to a moment of surrender, cleansing and empowering and setting us apart for God and His purposes and the uses that He might have for us. Yet, this is only the beginning of this experience. For while sanctification points us back to a moment in time, or as some might say, a crisis experience, there is afterwards a walk, a process of continued growth in which the Holy Spirit is working within us daily to make us more like Jesus. And we have to submit to that work on a daily basis as well. And most of us understand the biblical mandate to be sanctified. We know that it is God's will that all believers be sanctified. He is clear about that. But once we make that request, God sanctify me, and experience that moment in time or that crisis event, what next? What do we do next? Is it just signed, sealed, delivered, I'm ready to go? Or what happens next in the midst of that? How do we walk in the reality of the sanctified life? How do we walk in the reality that we have completely surrendered ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ? How do we walk in the reality that our hearts have been cleansed and that old sinful nature has been crucified? How do we walk in the reality that now the nature of Christ has been restored within us and instead of having a tendency to chase after selfishness and sin, we now have a tendency to want to be pleasing to God? How do we walk in the reality of now being empowered by the Holy Spirit, empowered to live in victory over sin, empowered to to serve, to witness, empowered to love. How do we walk in that reality? And what I've discovered as I have been walking with the Lord is that we simply join in that process of becoming. Becoming more like Jesus. We work in conjunction with and alongside of the Holy Spirit as He is doing this work in us. One of my life verses is Galatians 5.25 which says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And this is where I think a lot of times many of us might struggle. We're not a becoming society. It, it takes too long. It's too much work. We have to, you know, becoming is a process that, that it's not something we want to wait around for. We are much more a doing society. Our culture focuses on doing it. It's much faster. It's measurable. We find our identity sometimes and our self-worth in this arena of doing because we can point to what we're doing and say, this is what I've accomplished. This is who I am. Sometimes we live by the mantra, I produce, therefore I am. 
But for the Christian, our identity and our self-worth should be found in Jesus Christ. And the fact that we are sons and daughters of the King. Now, stay with me just a moment. A lot of you, how many of you are into the Facebook uh, thing? You got your Facebook page, you know, and all that stuff? Yeah. All you have to do is look at Facebook for a few moments, and you can tell that we are a doing culture. Because that's what all of our statuses are about. This is what I've done. And it can be the most menial things. Just had a cup of coffee. Fifteen people reply. (laughs) You know, we all want to know what everybody else is doing. And we all want to share what we're doing. We are a doing culture. Even in the church, we are very much about doing. What ministry are you involved in, you know? And what have you been doing in the church? And even in our conversations, a lot of times, it's about doing. When's the last time you had an authentic conversation with someone in church and it wasn't centered around, you know, about what you do, but it was centered around who you are becoming? So we focus a lot of times on this issue of doing. I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 10 if you have your Bibles this evening. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22, and it's the story of the rich young ruler or the rich young man. And in this passage of Scripture, we see a young man who's very focused on doing and what he's been able to do. Stand with me as we read this together, and then I will talk about it a little bit. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. I'm reading out of the NIV, and this is what the Word of God says. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come. And follow me. Let us pray. Father, thank you for tonight. I pray in the name of Jesus that this evening you would draw us near to your heart, Lord, and you would help us to hear from you. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit as we continue, and I sense that, God, and I'm so grateful. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us the capacity tonight to hear directly from you. And as you speak to our hearts and speak into our lives, God, you will find us ready to respond. We love you so very much, God. And we're so excited as we move towards Easter to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are reminded of all that you have done for us, and we say thank you. Bless this night, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to share this passage with you, and I'll share a couple more in just a moment. But I want to talk about this for just a second. As you look at the story of the rich young ruler, when you first look at it, you think, boy, this thing's getting off to a good start. You read here that there's this fellow who's coming down the road. Jesus has started on his way, and this guy comes running up to him and falls on his knees. That seems like a pretty appropriate response if you were to run up to the Savior. And sure enough, that's what we read, and you think, boy, this is really getting off to a good start. Then he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
Now, it's interesting Jesus' response in this situation because he responds back to this young man, why do you call me good? You see, the great thing about Christ is that he knew this man before he ever opened his mouth. He knows you, and he knows me. And he looked into the heart of this man, and he knew him. He knew that he was a person who was focused on what he had accomplished, what he could do. And in fact, he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother, to which this young man says, I'm in. All these I have kept since I was a boy. If that was it, if that was the list, you know, you just kind of sign at the bottom, I've completed all this, then he was golden. But Jesus knew that this young man had other things that he needed to overcome. And there was a call to surrender that Christ would approach him with that became a great challenge. Jesus looked at him and loved him. He said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. Jesus challenges him to that incredible decision that each of us has to make to surrender who we are, all that we are, to Him. But it's a decision that's very difficult. And then He follows it with another further challenge to literally be His disciple. You see, I think that in this story, Jesus was inviting the rich young ruler to be a disciple of His. The invitation was the same for Peter. It was the same for James and John. When they were there on the beach, when Jesus approached them, he said, come, follow me. But this was too much. If it had been about what he had done and what he was doing, then he would have been in. But instead, it was about surrender and it was about discipleship. I want you to turn with me to, to two more passages of Scripture. The first is in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Another illustration of someone who was focused on doing. Jesus is on a journey and he comes to the home of Martha and Mary. It says that they, his disciples and he were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha. Now, he eventually develops a great relationship with these two. He raises their brother Lazarus from the dead, and he returns this home on several occasions. But here it says that Martha opened her home to him, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was busy doing she had all the preparations in mind that had, to, that had to happen, and she was busy about doing those things. Sometimes, as we seek to serve God, and we have good intentions, but sometimes as we seek to serve God, we can become so focused on the doing that it literally pulls us away from the Master. 
Mary, instead, is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening. Listening to what he's saying, the things that he is teaching. You know, it's interesting, when we're so busy doing, it's amazing how quickly we can get frustrated. When doing preoccupies our mind and our thoughts, our focus, we, fi- we suddenly find ourselves much like Martha, distracted, frustrated by the situation, and unable to enjoy the relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus says to Martha, Hey, Martha, you're worried and you're upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Why don't you sit here at my feet like Mary and listen to me for a little while? It's that call of discipleship. Turn to Matthew chapter 11 with me. Just flip backwards a bit. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. A very popular verse and one that we often return to. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, the Scripture says, And Jesus is giving this invitation. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The first part of that invitation is sometimes the hardest. Come to me. Come to me. Just come to me, Jesus says. Learn from me. Listen to what I have to say. Watch my life. Learn from me. And then he says, you will find rest. You will find rest. How many of you are feeling well rested tonight? Uh, It's amazing, you know. I've heard someone say that if the enemy cannot cause you to fall into some deep sin or temptation, he'll just keep you busy. But sometimes we're an easy victim in that because we have so many things going on, there's so much doing, that we neglect the coming to Jesus. We neglect the learning from Him. We neglect finding the rest that is ours and offered to us by the Savior if we just sit at His feet. You see, I believe that our default button is doing. And even if we get off to a great start, much like the rich young ruler who seemed to be doing just great, falling on his knees, praising God, even if we get off to a good start, it isn't long before we push the default button and we get wrapped up in the doing. Doing this and doing that. But the Holy Spirit is constantly inviting us to become, not do. To become like Jesus become like the one who gave his life for us. We falsely sometimes believe that being springs from doing. If we just do enough, we'll eventually become. But the reality is that that's completely the opposite. Actually, doing springs from being. And the more we spend time with the Master, the more we sit at the feet of Jesus, the more our doing reflects who he is. And when we do, we do with the right motives and the right purpose. God is good. He continually invites us to this act of becoming. 
He's constantly inviting us to this sitting at the Savior's feet. Sometimes He even uses the difficulties in life to get our attention. Often in those moments, we'll argue with God and say, but Lord, I'm doing this, this, and this, and this. Why do I have to go through this event? And God's simply trying to get our attention and saying, yes, but you've forgotten the one thing. In Eugene Peterson's book I've been reading, it's called Leap Over a Wall. It's a story of David's life, and I've been using it as a devotional. It was interesting as I came upon this this week. It just fit exactly the things that um, were on my heart and mind. He's talking about David and how God used the wilderness experience of David's life to draw him to a deeper understanding of the holiness of God, as well as in making him holy. I don't know if this will resonate with you, but it did with me, and this is what he says. He says, what happens is that no matter what else David is doing in the wilderness, he's basically dealing with God. And the more he deals with God, the more human he becomes. The more he becomes David. Holy is our best word to describe that life. The human aliveness that comes from dealing with God alive. We're most human when we deal with God. Any other way of life leaves us less human, less ourselves. In the wilderness, we're face to face with the basics. The basic with God. The confrontation is a test, a temptation. Do we deal with God or not? We take the test and become more or less. We grow up or we we regress. David became more. David grew up. It's in those moments that God is calling us to himself. And that leads me to the question that I really want to ask tonight, and I think it's so important. It's been a focus of our congregation a lot this year. It seems so simple, but it's a question we don't ask often enough. Are you spending time with God? Are you spending time with God? Are you making that time? We like to think in terms of healthy these days. The healthiest thing you can do to participate with the Holy Spirit in becoming more like Jesus Christ is to spend time with God. It is the most important aspect of your relationship to actually have a relationship and spend that time with God that is so important. Not too many years ago, Gallup, did one of his polls, and he came up with the, uh, with the evidence that showed that Americans have never been so involved in Christian activity as this time, and yet they've never had so little influence. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I am God. Boy, that's a challenge. To be still. I mean, it's hard enough just to be quiet for someone like me. But to be still, I want to do. I want to go. I'm a fixer. But the invitation is to be still and know that I am God. You see, it is in the presence of a holy God that we become holy people. And spending time with Him changes us. 
It would be like someone who is seeking a degree but doesn't want to go to class. Or someone who would like to learn to play the piano but they don't want to take the lessons. Someone who wants to get in physical shape but they don't want to do any exercise. Someone who wants to get their finances in order but they're not willing to put together a budget. And if we want to be holy people, then we have to spend time with a holy God. Perhaps some of you this evening, you've experienced the wonderful blessing of sanctification. You have been set apart for God. Now there is a daily invitation for you to become. And in fact, maybe you haven't taken that step yet. God's leading you in that direction. He'll get you there eventually. That's the goal of the Holy Spirit. But the challenge is the same, to surrender and to become. To surrender and enter into that life of discipleship in which we spend time with the Savior. Like the rich young ruler, we get off to a good start. And some have even taken that step of surrender. But then we must become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we must sit at His feet daily. You know, it seems so simple. Probably since the time you were young, if you grew up in the church, you were told you need to spend time with the Lord. Make time for the Word. Make time in prayer. Those types of things. But it's funny how the very familiar sometimes can become the thing that we struggle to do the most. But yet, but yet it is the area in which God is changing us the most if we are involved. Are you becoming or are you doing? That's the question God's been asking me. And so I share it with you. I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes tonight. And I think I'm going to do things just a little bit differently. I, I want to take about 30 seconds of quiet. And um, I'm going to invite you, if you would like tonight, to pray. Maybe there are some commitments that you need to make or renew. Perhaps you've been allowing that time at the Savior's feet to slip. And I know how easy it is, and especially when you're trying to go to school. But I also know how very, very important it is. And God is helping me to be more about becoming and less about doing. Maybe he wants to help you tonight as well. And so in the next few moments, if you'd like to come and pray, just come right now in the quiet of this moment. Just come. We'll pray together. Is there anyone like that tonight? God's speaking to you. Let's pray together tonight. Father God, we love you. And we come to you tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. And it is by that name that we have been saved. And tonight, Lord, we lay our lives at your feet. 
We ask in the name of Jesus that you would give us the wisdom and the strength to choose to be with you. I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would help us to lay aside the distractions. And you would also help us to even set aside the good things that we're doing in order to choose the better that we might spend time with you. I pray that all the good things that we might do in service, that they might be a natural outflow of the time that we spend with you. And that as a result, Father, people, when they meet us, will be meeting the Lord Jesus Christ. Make us holy people, Lord. You have declared that you are a holy God and that we, your people, are to be holy. Make us holy people, I pray, as we get to know you and spend time with you and discover so many things that are yet to be discovered about you. Call us, God, to that greater level of intimacy, and may we rise up and accept the invitation. I pray for the one today who perhaps is struggling to make that personal time with you. It just seems they can't get it into the schedule. <laughs> They have good intentions, but it always seems to get away from them. And when they lay their head on the pillow at night, they realize that once again a day has gone by without having been with you. I mean really been with you. God, I pray help them. You are a good God. Invite them again to your presence. I know every day you await us. I pray that you would find us finding our way to you more often. We love you, God. Have your way in us. Shape us, mold us, change us, transform us. We submit, Lord God, to your will in our lives, and we hunger and thirst after you. God, I've chased after a lot of things in my life but I never found anything like you. Help me to live that way and to not allow the busyness of life to cause me to forget that truth. I love you, and I pray all this in the glorious and strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. It's been good to be with you.